Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. Family Sunday is so fun. Um, there's so many wonderful things about having everyone in here together. And um, it's so great that we have a children's pastor now who is um, really just growing and flourishing the children's ministry. And they're doing really great things in there. She's uh, Karen's really good about taking time with the kids and even allowing them, if, if they can get it, that seed gets planted in their hearts at this young age. Um, there's, you know, and we water that and nurture that thing as they grow there's it's just setting them up for um, a, a life with Christ where they um, prayerfully won't necessarily have to struggle with some of the things that we have had to struggle with in our in our walk with Christ so I think that's wonderful it's so interesting tonight today worship was incredible thank you worship team I appreciate so much your obedience and your willingness to um take us into the presence of God. It's just so incredible. And one of the things that as I was working on my message, uh, actually, it's funny because he actually, the last time I preached, he gave me the topic for today. And so I've been kind of chewing on it and mulling it over and, and spending time with God about what exactly he wanted, wants to say today. And what is it that he wants us to gain um, from that? And the word that I heard, it was just a single word, and it was vow. V-O-W, in case I messed that up with my accent. And, uh, and I, I got to thinking about that. One of the songs that we sang had the word vow in it. And uh, it said something about making a vow. And it just took me on a journey of thinking about our words and, and how we use those words and, uh, and their prophetic nature. I know that sometimes can be a big word that seems a little bit intimidating, prophetic, um, but we really do profess things with our words. We declare them in a way that they take on a life, that they become um, a life, like uh, they produce life. So... So I've been thinking about um, about what exactly he wa- it was that he wanted me to say to you, and uh, and I believe that it is going to be life giving. So I release his word today in that manner. So if you'll pray for me, I'll pray for you because I can't do it without him, and that's just honest. So Heavenly Father, I just I thank you for an opportunity for us to come into your house to join together in community. I thank you for family. I thank you because we are all part of one body, and that is the body of Christ. And so, Father, every part of your body is significant and, and important. There's not one piece that is more important than the other. We all have a part to play in your kingdom. And this morning, as I play my part, as I fulfill the role that you've placed on me to fulfill, God, Holy Spirit, just fill me with your anointing. Glory, just fill this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in this service. Open hearts to receive your word that it may take root in their life and produce fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. And so I, uh, it was awesome because so many of our songs prophesied this morning. 
so many of those songs this morning prophesied about who God is and who we are and and what uh, things look like. It doesn't matter what it looks like or what it sounds like. God, we know that you're still working. When we release words like that over our life, it's us recognizing that we may not see or understand exactly what's happening right now, but I make a declaration, a prophetic word. I release the word that I know that you are working in my circumstances, that you are working in my situation. I may not see it, but I release the life over my situation. I release life over this situation and this circumstance that knowing that you are working, Father, even when I can't see it. Because the opposite side of that is for us to say, God, where are you? I don't know where you're at. You're Are you doing anything at all? This is just all going to pot. It's just dead. There's no life here. It's just uh, ruined. It's ruined. That's our other option, right? But what we have to understand about scripture is that um, is that there is life and death in our words. It actually says life and death is in the power of the tongue. And uh, and that's in Proverbs eighteen twenty one. It actually says death first. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. And oftentimes we don't um, we don't really focus on the, the second half of that scripture where it says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. But I think that's really, really important. So my question to you as we go through uh, the next few minutes um, is, are your words killing you? Are your words killing you? And that was really harsh, and it had to come through my spirit first when I heard God say that, even to myself. You know, are my words killing me? What am I speaking over my situation? What am I speaking um, over the people around me? What is coming out of me? What are my words really saying? And uh, in Matthew chapter 12, it says, your words will either acquit you or condemn you. And so I'm just going to throw some of these out and then we're going to come back around to them. But what you have to know is that words do have a prophetic nature. We can go back to Genesis, right? It wasn't just God. It wasn't just God who was, I mean, he did speak everything into existence. He took nothing and spoke something. He spoke life into existence, right? He did that with his words. He gave us the ability to do that. In Ezekiel, in Ezekiel 37, when Jesus takes Ezekiel to the valley of dry bones, he says to Ezekiel, he says, can these bones live? I think that's so interesting because that's how God does it, right? He poses a question to us. Like in the garden when he couldn't find Adam and Eve, he knew where they were hiding, but he said, where are you, Adam? He said, where are you? He likes to ask us a question. Just like uh, Daryl said last week, he looked at Peter and he said, do you love me? He knew, he knew Peter's heart before he asked that question, but he likes to ask us questions. Because it reveals, our words reveal what's hidden in our heart. Our words reveal what is hidden in our heart. And so when he looked at Ezekiel and he took him to that valley of dry bones, and Wade said this morning, we were just talking for a minute, he said, I wonder why they, it says dry bones and not just bones. And so we just had a conversation about that really quickly. And, and I came to the conclusion that it was because God really wanted him to see something that was dead. 
that it had no hope of living. And then what would be Ezekiel's perspective when he looked at that valley of not just bones, but of dry bones? They'd been there a while. They had been there a while, long enough for those things to get dry and brittle. They could not sustain life. Inside of bones, right, That there's marrow. There's life-giving nutrients in there. We take that marrow and we put it into other people's bodies. I'm getting way out of my league here, so I'm about to max out on my knowledge. But I know the marrow is important, and it has life-starting cells in it. And we can take that marrow and we can place it into someone else's body that is sick. And that life-giving marrow inside of there will begin to form and, and, and shape and take over those cells that are dying. It's amazing. So, but these bones were not like, that marrow, in my perspective, was even dead. Like, there was no life in that valley. And so it seems a crazy question, right? Because if, Z- if Ezekiel's looking through his natural eyes and he sees this valley of dry bones and God says, can these bones live? What would be your first inclination to say? Can they? But Ezekiel, smart, I think, he says, but Lord, only you know. Only you know if these can live. That was a faith statement of recognizing that even though what he sees with his eyes don't match what he believes can take place, he knows a God that is able to do exceedingly and abundantly of what he could think or he could imagine. And that his words in that moment were very important. He could have said, no, those bones bones can't live. God could have still created them to live if he wanted to. But it mattered what was in Ezekiel's heart. Who was ruling and reigning in his heart? What, he, what had he set up in his heart? Because out of the abundance of the heart, what speaks? The mouth speaks. What is in your heart will come out of your mouth. So one time I did this science experiment, the one and only time I did a science experiment slash project. <laughs> oh, yeah. So <laughs> I took two plants, right? And, and you, you all may be familiar with this little project. Um, but I took two plants, and one plant I talked really nice to. They were all both sitting in the same situation, but I talked really nice to this plant. And this plant I didn't talk to at all. And do you know that the plant that I talked nice to bloomed and blossomed greater and grew healthier than the plant that I did not? So that is science. We don't need science to prove God because we know that God proves science, right? God came first. But the amazing thing is that the, the significant thing is that your words matter. Your words matter. And what is in your heart will come out of your mouth. When I was in elementary school, um, and, and I share this story because the things that we allow to set up inside of us can produce fruit for a long time in our life. And so when I was in elementary school, I was in kindergarten, and there was this kid, in my mind, he, was a, he could have just been the giant, the Philistine standing in front of me. So I'm, I'm in my mind, he had to be the fifth grader, because in my elementary school, it was kindergarten to fifth grade. And he was, he was big, he was Goliath for me. <laughs> I was shy, so shy. I, I still have a shy nature about me if you really know me, (laughs) 
And um, I was so terribly shy. My mom would put me in baton lessons and ballet lessons and just try to get me to come out of my shell a little bit because I was just so shy. And uh, I, I even have shared this story with a few people. Even as much as college, I still struggled so much with that that I had to drop out. I just didn't even go back. It caused so much anxiety and anxiousness inside of me when I was taking public speaking that I just quit going to class. I couldn't even make it through my demonstration speech of peanut butter and jelly sandwich. How do you make one of those? I mean, like tunnel vision, knees knocking, I'm going to pass out. My mouth is so dry. My tongue is stuck to the roof of my mouth, you know, like bad, bad. But God has a sense of humor, right? God has a sense of humor. And so just to finish that, finish that, kind of off track but I want to tell the testimony of God and I still have so much to learn but then as an adult he put me in a situation to where I had to teach public speaking three times three times I just find that really really interesting and I saw his humor in it I was like all right God I see what you're doing I see what you're doing and so um so anyway so he and I are still working on that but um back to this Goliath a fifth grader that was taunting me. He was taunting me. And so I looked at him and I called him stupid, which is not a nice word. And he took off running after me. I was five years old and shy and scared my life. I was about, I just knew I was going to die. I don't know what was going to happen when he caught me, but it was death imminent death. I knew that it was going to be the end of me. I was so scared. Like I knew I shouldn't have said that. It wasn't nice of me to say, even if he wasn't being nice to me and he wasn't saying nice things to me. He told me that I was ugly and that I was stupid. It hurt me. I responded back in the same. I rebuttaled those words, but I took off running. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget when I came around the corner and my kindergarten teacher, Mrs. Moore, I just loved her and adored her. She opened up that door. She didn't know I was running around that corner thinking my life was about to end. And I ran into her arms and crying. Oh, I was just crying. I was so afraid. I just found the safety of her arms. You know, I was so grateful to make it into her arms and I'll never forget her in that moment, and it stuck with me. And, you know, you think that's so insignificant, and we are going to face moments, and it seems like not a big deal, the fact that he told me that I was ugly or stupid, but what I allowed to happen was I allowed those words to take root in my heart. I allowed the fact that he thought that I was ugly to take up residence inside of my heart. And it caused me to battle with my own self-image issues it also caused me because I had those self-image issues it caused me to seek out affirmation in other ways that led me down a road of compromise for years and years and years I'm sure it wasn't just that one boy and it really wasn't him it was just an assignment of the enemy in the moment it really wasn't Goliath you know But I didn't have the knowledge and understanding to recognize that that word, I had let it become a vow inside of me. I had given it power that I should have never given it. And because of that, it affected the way I lived my life. It affected the way I interacted with people. And it it affected what I sought out. 
because there is life and death in the power of the tongue, and you will eat the fruit of that. We just will. So when we're in, in services like today and we're worshiping God and we're making all of these prophetic declarations, and it's like, why do I have to keep singing about coming out of the grave? I know he died for me, and I've been delivered, and I'm alive because his word says that. But I continue to prophesy those words over me because it's truth. And truth brings life. Truth brings life. And so I celebrate greater today because I have greater understanding of exactly where he's brought me from and exactly what he's done for me. And that little girl became a teenager that lived in a life of compromise. Still loved Jesus, but she still had that insecurity inside of her. And until I gained the full understanding of who he was and who he said that I was, and I could understand that, in fact, those were just words and they no longer have power and dominion over me because I am now who God says I am. Then I was able to step out of that mindset. And so I feel like there are things in all of, in all of our lives that we've had to overcome word vows and oaths that have been um, and, and an oath our vow is much like an oath. Those are interchangeable words. It is like a covenant. And, uh, and, and it is a pledge. And because we know that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, what we have allowed to enter in, the words that we have allowed ourselves to receive, um, will impact what we release outside. And it's prophetic and creative nature. Your words have prophetic and creative nature. They just do. They do. You can say it ain't so, but it is. They create, and your words prophesy. And so what are you prophesying over your situation, over yourself specifically, over your family, over your work situation? Back in the day, we used to say, well, here are the facts, but the truth is, Ken, have you ever heard that? The facts are, I'm sick. My body is not responding to medication. We're having a financial crisis in our life. My granddaughter's acting crazy, right? But the truth is that my father is completely able, able and capable to work through this situation and to bring life and deliverance, that there's hope, that there's hope in the Lord. So it's not about denying your situation, but it is about cre creating the right language that actually speaks life over your situation and not death. Things will never change. We're always going to have financial trouble. No. Those are the wrong words to speak. My daughter is never going to be what I want her to be. And. Eh. I can tell you, I can sum up the power of the praying wife, the power of the praying mother, the power of the praying aunt, the uncle, all of them, with this one statement. In this passage of scripture, I don't actually have the address. You'll have to Google it later. But it is, uh, speak things that are not as though they were. And, uh, and I only read the first couple of chapters, so maybe there's more to it. But this is what I got from it. My family is not what I wish it should be. That's the declaration. My kids act crazy. My husband doesn't treat me right. My wife drives me. All she wants to do is nag, nag, nag. All those things. I'm sure none of y'all have ever said any of that. But if you would take that list, it, instead, if you would 
go to scripture and you say, Lord, what should I expect from my children? Who should I be for my children? And you go into the word and it says, do not provoke your children to anger. And it says that you should uh, submit yourself to your wife as she submits herself to you and that you should love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, God, what does that really look like? Let me look a little deeper here in scripture. And and Father, what does your word say about my finances? And I'm going to write those declarations down and I'm going to write down those scriptures because my life doesn't have to reflect the world's life because I've been created for more. And I write those down. All I do is struggle with uh, depression and anxiety. Well, God, what does your word say about depression and anxiety? Should I be struggling with that? Should that be something that I deal with every day? Let me look to your word and what does it say? And then I begin to speak out those scriptures in prayer with the Lord. I begin to claim my house for the kingdom of God. I begin to claim unity in my home. I begin to declare peace over my home. I begin to declare life over my children. And that the accuser isn't allowed there. So that's the... That is it in the nutshell, that you have to change your language. You have to change your language and your perspective. If you want to see something different, I mean, what's we all, we have heard it for years and years. What do we know about the definition of insanity? I don't even know if it's true, really, but we quote it all the time, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome, right? Why would we want to keep doing that? Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is there. You will equip yourself or condemn yourself with your words. Do you know what equip means? To equip means to be, to free from criminal charge, a verdict of not guilty, to absolve, clear, exonerate. God has acquitted us. He has provided our acquittal. We are free. He has provided our freedom. We can walk in that freedom and that liberty. And we don't have to be bound to all of those other things that we have allowed to to make vows and oaths inside of us. Or we can condemn ourselves. We can condemn ourselves. And that means to sentence to a particular punishment. And it actually says, and this is just Webster's Dictionary, it just says, especially death. We can condemn ourselves to death with our words. I'll never be able to lose weight. I'll never be healthy. How many times do we speak those things over our life instead of saying, with God's help, my body is the temple of the Lord, and I will not defile it, and I will not let other things defile the temple, and God will give me the strength to overcome because that's the truth of the matter. We have to allow our words to begin to speak to our situations. And all of those lies that we've allowed the enemy to speak to us that have set up residence on our heart, we need to evict him. He has already paid the price. If we have committed to believe and to follow Christ, then we do. He has placed a seal upon our heart. But we need to receive all of it. And we can't allow the words to rule and reign in our life. And oftentimes, I was doing some reading. Oh, let me tell you what Bill Johnson said. This is a great quote. He said this. He said, many of the things we dislike about our lives were first put into place through carelessness in our speech. 
And it's so true. We have to guard our heart because out of the abundance of the heart flow the issues of life is also what it says. And so what are your issues in life? And how can we change our language? Because now we know the truth. We know that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. And that that's not just over someone else or someone else's situation or maybe foul language that we allow to come out about someone else. But that's also about our own life. Our own life. Don't condemn yourself and don't condemn other people. Don't use your language as a weapon, except as a weapon of freedom. To free yourself, to walk in liberty, and to walk in truth. You do not have to continue to produce the same fruit that you have produced thus far that has not created good fruit. Good fruit. I'm sure you've all been around people, a person, you can think of them that you feel like all they spew is hate and discord. You don't really want to be around, nor do you want to be that person. Don't be that person. Prophesy over your situation. I know that sometimes it you get weary. He made he made an account for that. He made an account for when we get weary, for when we need him to come in and remind us. Remind us of who he is and to remind us who is the Lord over our situations. And who is that? Are we going to place him in that position or do we place ourselves there? Don't let your words dictate your life or a life of destruction. Let your words create life. Let your words create life. Prophesy. Don't be afraid of that word. Prophesy over that thing. Prophesy over your family, over your finances, over your health. Prophesy. Create life. We should be creating life everywhere we go. In Scripture, it says, in Genesis, it says that um, every uh, seed and every kind will produce after its own kind. I'm paraphrasing, but y'all know what I'm saying. If you're casting seeds of destruction of condemnation over yourself or any situation, then it is going to produce that same thing. But if you begin to cast seeds of hope and healing over your life and over your situation, it has no choice. It has no choice but to reproduce after that kind. We cannot plant 20,000 sunflower seeds this year and get pumpkins. It will never happen. I'm, I'm not even like prophesying negatively. I'm just telling you based on scripture, that will never happen. We won't. We will not put a tomato seed in the ground and expect to get a sunflower. And we sure better not, right? Because we grow sunflowers. That's what we do. It's the same thing. What kind of seed are you sowing in your life? and in other people's life. What kind of seed? I mean, it doesn't really um, mix words when it talks about uh, death and life or in the power of the tongue because death means demise. Uh, There's nothing after death. 
I mean, there is. <laughs> but um, death means either you're speaking life over it or you're speaking death. It's the end of it. It's the end of it. And life is the beginning. It's the bio. It's the beginning of life. It's, it's what we do. It's, it's how we live. Are we giving it power? Which one are we giving power to, life or death? Which one do we give power? And we're going to eat the fruit of one of those. We will eat the fruit of that. We will. We will. I, I, I'm, I promise one day I'm going to get up here and I'm going to have a really lighthearted message. And that he's going to be able to allow me to do that. But I guarantee you that as he grows us and changes us, for me to just come in here and coax you and, 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 and tell you everything's going to come up roses would be deceptive. And I don't want to deceive you. I want to speak truth into your life. And I know that that's what God wants. He does not want us to stay. You know, we wonder why we are around some people and it seems like their situation never, they're, it's in the same cycle. It never changes. There's never any growth. And it's because we need good teaching. We need to grow in understanding. And he wants you, he wants the fruit of your life to produce good seed. So you're casting seeds. Words carry a prophetic nature. If you don't like that word, if you don't like what you're seeing, what you're producing, then try to cast some different seeds. And go to the word of God. And you'll see your situation change. So I have a little roadmap here. I'm about to close. So how, how do we do that? What does that look like? Let's say you've recognized that you've allowed some not-so-great stuff take up residence in your heart. And you're like, so, all right, God, here I am. I've allowed these word vows to take up residence inside of me. It's produced fruit in my life that I don't like. It's produced fruit that's caused me pain and anguish, and I don't like it. And I want things to be different. And so if you'll stand with me, kids are doing great. Parents are being patient. Well, you have five fingers, so I'm going to give you five things. So kind of like me as I was um, sorting through the, the scriptures this week and thinking about what he wanted to um, come forth you know, he took me way back. He took me way back a lot of years to show me that at one point in my life I had allowed a words to enter into my heart that dictated my reality. It dictated my actions. It dictated where I looked for validation and what I was willing to give in return for that. It cost me something. And I'm grateful for God's redemptive power that he returns and he gives back. 
And I think today is a moment for those of you as well that may have allowed words to take up residence in your heart and it's producing a fruit in your life that seems very secular. And you may even look to the next generation. You can look far enough ahead and you can already see the struggle in their life because of some of the things that you have probably released not even knowing. Not not intentional. I don't think there's a single person in here that would intentionally harm anyone. But because our words have a creative nature, I know for me it was very intentional with my daughter because I had known the struggle that I had had and I didn't want that to be her struggle. And so I was very aware of the words that I spoke over her and over her life and what I made important and significant. And time will fully tell about that fruit. But I was very cautious because I understood the creative nature of words. And I understood the battle that I had had. Can I just share? I'm just going to share. I'll just lay my whole life out before you. My mom and her two siblings were raised in a household with a uh, father that was a cruel drunk. She remembers we were from the South. She lived in Georgia, and she actually remembers the KKK coming to their home and burning a cross in their backyard because he was an evil man that wouldn't take care of his family. She told stories of times that he would, friends would bring him home and lay him in the yard, and her and her sister didn't want the neighbors to see. So as little children, they'd go out and drag him behind the bush. So she made a declaration that she would never drink. My uncle, my aunt, they all, they didn't want that to continue. They didn't want that to continue in their lineage. They didn't want that to be a part of the future. They didn't want that to be a seed that they sowed into the lives of their children. I'm so grateful for that. But one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we don't replace one issue for another and that we take it to the cross that in our best effort to try to change what has happened to us that we don't create another situation we have to be led by the spirit of God and there are many things that that I that we are the same about Wade and I very intentional about the way we've raised our family, the choices that we've made, because we know the fruit that we want to get from it. We know the fruit that we want to get. We want to be led by God for that. So look, there are things, because parents are human, and I speak to the adults in this situation there are things that we have experienced that have created our reality. There are words that have been spoken over us that we took in deeper at a deeper level than we should have. And it has produced something in our life. And I know I told you about this five step, but it seems somewhat insignificant in except that we have to acknowledge those things. 
we have to acknowledge them. We have to allow God to examine us. Because a lot of times our best motive is not creating the fruit that we feel like it should be creating. Right? Our best intentions. And so why is that, God? And so we have to acknowledge that God is our king, that he is above that. Just like he told Ezekiel, he told Ezekiel, he said, speak to the dry bones and they will live. He said that. He said, call to the north and the south for the winds to come and breathe life over that, over your situation, over this valley of dry bones. And Ezekiel watched with his own eyes as all those wonderful words that they use in that passage of scripture, scripture, the flesh come back onto those bodies. So I know that there are some dry, barren places in our life and some things that we're just like, well, we'll just see how it works out. I don't think we have to be passive like that. You know, like, all right, God, I believe that he has given us the authority and the, and the power to prophesy life over that situation, over that family member. I believe it. I believe it to be so. And so let's just ask the Holy Spirit. Let's just ask the Holy Spirit to show us where we have come in agreement with words, oaths and vows, that have produced fruit in our life that we're not happy with. We want it to be different. We want life, right? We want a beautiful garden. We want a beautiful garden of much variety. Can you just see it? I mean, and let's just visual visualize it if you can with kids. Just close your eyes and, and see your words creating this beautiful garden because he is creating a beautiful masterpiece with our life, right? And with the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the authority to speak life. And for some of us, we just may we may need to repent and repent in this aspect. Because the definition for repent means to turn, to turn from, and to change the way you think. And sometimes we have such a stigma on that word. To turn away from and to change the way you think. We need that, right? I need to repent. Father, I turn from this. And would you change my heart? Would you change the way I think about this? Would you give me the words? Would you show me in your word how I can change the situation? And then we replace it with positive words and oaths and life-giving testaments of who he is. So search the word. Search the word for that. Ask God, Father, does this please you? Does this in my life please you? Are you pleased with this? I'm giving it to you. I I won't hang on to it anymore. I'll quit saying never to you. I'm never gonna. It's never gonna. We kill it with that word. We kill it with that word. Never say never. I think that was a James Bond movie, wasn't it? I don't know. 
Never say never to God. Instead, take it to him. Here, here it is. How do I, how do I do it? What's, show me God. And let him be the authority. So I'm going to pray for you. So Father, you are so, you are good, good Father. You want to see life in us. That's why you continue to mold us and shape us. Father, we just heard how your your word that that Karen shared, your, your word says that you can take a hard, stony heart and turn it into something soft and pliable and moldable, that you can do that. And we're really good at taking charge of our own situations, but God, we surrender it to you today. We surrender it to you today, and we make a declaration. If you can just agree with me in your heart, let's just make a declaration today that we'll change our language over our situations and over our life. And we won't look at at the fruit that's being produced and just say, well, that's my daddy's fault that you do that, or, or yep, they're probably going to have an issue with that because so-and-so had an issue with it, or things are always going to be, my family's always had money trouble. It's just the way it's going to be, and, and nobody in my home has ever owned a home or been able to buy a car or um, all that stuff. Let's begin to speak life and speak life over these situations life we are not stuck we are not stuck where we're at we are not stuck where we're at so father we we give it to you we open up our hearts and our minds that these cages that we've tried to put our thinking in that father you are the chain breaker you break those things off of our life We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.